Hi, this is Regeline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is Michelle Moras. Michelle Moras is an international TEDx speaker, communication trainer, success coach, co-host of the Denim and Pearls podcast, the author of Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, a glimpse into a life well-lived, and it's not luck overcoming you. Michelle is the host of the Mental Shift Show on the new channel, TNC Philippines. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? Well, my name is Michelle Moras. I grew up in the Philippines. Now, what's really cool about that is I'm a military brat. I was born in New Jersey, and before I turned one years old, I moved to the Philippines where my mother is from, and I grew up there for the first 15 years of my life. Then I moved to Nebraska and married my high school sweetheart that I met in the Philippines, and we've traveled the world, and we chose Colorado to retire. So I am a retiree in Colorado Springs. I love it. Now tell us more about your experience as an international TEDx speaker, communication trainer, and success coach. My experience, it's been awesome. I mean, it was a calling I didn't even know happened that it was supposed to happen. All my life, I've been running away from the limelight. I, every time, you know, run for president of the school class, do this, do that. I was always like, no, 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 I'll do the background. I'll do the marketing. I'll do the posters. You guys go up front. And that's really what I did. I thought I was a writer for other people to go up front. And what happened with this whole international speaker TEDx thing was literally an accident. I was in a car accident in 2014. I used to write speeches for political campaigns and I was in a car accident and I lost all my memories. I lost my memories, my ability to walk, um, cognitive function. So for 18 months, so the whole month, uh, year of 2015, I was pretty much a vegetable. I couldn't do anything. My family took care of me, bathed me, fed me, you name it. It was all done for me. And this international speaker thing happened because in my 18 months of being trapped in my mind with my inner thoughts, have you ever been stuck with your inner thoughts, your inner critics? They're mean. Hi. And they're really, really mean. And what happened was I had to argue with myself in my mind. And at the end of the 18 months, I had gotten so depressed that I had, I was arguing with God. I was arguing. And I said, you know, if, if you don't love me, if you hate me so much because you keep beating me down, then kill me. But don't leave me like a vegetable in my head. Please don't do this. Give me back my brain. And this is where the magic happened. I heard, you're not dead yet. Get up. And I know it wasn't in my head. My whole house shook. And I got up. Now, this is a woman who couldn't walk and couldn't talk. I got up. And in that moment that I heard, you're not dead yet, get up. I fell to my knees because I saw every time I was beaten, raped, left alone. And every time I thought I was forsaken, there was someone with me. It was like that footprint uh, poem. Why did you forsake me? Why did you leave me when I needed you the most? I was with you. I was carrying you. That's what I saw. And I promised God that I would walk through any door he opened. I would say yes to any opportunity he put in front of me. And I will not question anymore. And from that moment on, I got the TEDx, started traveling, went to India, spoke, won, won an award, won the award for the John Maxwell team. I mean, just crazy major things happened in my life because I finally stopped fighting my calling. 
Very powerful and inspiring. Now you mentioned God. How important is your relationship with God to you? Well, it's really crazy. And, and this is what I tell my clients. I don't care if you don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. Because for 40 years of well, 20 something years of my life, I had run from God. I thought all the bad things that happened to me was because he hated me. So for many, many years, I disowned God. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in him. He believes in you. And if you don't believe in God, there is a higher being out there who believes in you. And so whatever you believe, fine. I know that there's a higher being out there with a purpose for all of us. And it's my job to turn on that light for everyone. I am supposed to share my story, whatever it is, and how painful it could be for me, because someone needs to hear it. And really, that's what I learned in my encapsulation of 18 months of not talking and walking and all that was Everything that happened to me, I came out of. And there are people who have not come out of those same situations. But I was able to because I answered the call. Even when I didn't even know I was doing it, I answered the call. So my relationship with God, we're pretty tight. Because I don't argue anymore. I just say, yes, sir. Amen. I love it. Now tell us more about the Denim and Pearls podcast. The Denim and Pearls podcast? Uh, that was an accident too. <laughs> well, the Denim and Pearls podcast came about right after COVID. Uh, I've been locked up in my house because I don't know if you know this, but I'm a, I'm a cancer patient. I have breast cancer and I've been diagnosed with breast cancer and I've been battling it for about four years now. And when COVID hit, I was not going outside. I was not going to do anything that was going to uh, attack my immune system in any way. And my neighbor would answer me on my on my Facebook pages. Now, this is a man I've known for 15 years. Our kids are friends, but I've never really talked to him. And I knew he was working on his yard. So I was bored one day and I said, well, I know you've been isolated. I've been isolated. Want to have a beer? <laughs> so I went to his house and had a beer with him sitting on the porch because we're outside in the sun, right? He was working on his yard. And we started getting into deep conversations. And I realized that he is an entrepreneur. I mean, like crazy. He's so uh, an amazing connector. He ran the um, Galaxy Quest, which is like Comic-Con here in, Co in Colorado Springs. He is this multi-level genius in my book. And that he also has this ability to connect people. He's just an amazing connector and he knows money. And I'm like, you are an amazing, cool guy. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? We had such a great conversations. We should do, go live. We should start doing these lives. He's like, okay, well, we'll call you, you know, the princess and I'll be the redneck. I go, oh, no, 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 no. You're not a redneck. And so he's like, you're always wearing pearls. And I'm always wearing jeans. Let's call ourselves denim and pearl. And I'm like, oh, I love it. And so it accidentally started. We're only like 14, 15 episodes in, but we have a blast and we open up the, the line and people talk and share and we answer. And it's magic. It's magic. I hope, I, I hope that your listeners join us and find us on Denim and Pearls on Facebook and YouTube because it's a hoot, especially if you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur. Very powerful. Now tell us more about your book, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, A Glimpse into a Life Well Lived. Eat, Drink, and Be Merry was an accident also. <laughs> um, I did my TEDx when I came out of my um, basic coma, basically what it was. I came out of that. I got asked to join a TEDx here in Colorado Springs. And I called my TEDx, eat, drink, and be merry. 
it's the three lessons I learned from my mother-in-law. And when I came off the stage, the director said, so where's your book? And I said, what book? And she said, you better have a book. And so I wrote Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. I like where it is. Hold that up for us so we can see it. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm working on it. Here it is. Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. And what's funny is that picture is my mother-in-law, Mary. And then, and then it's my sister-in-law, my husband, and his baby sister. I love it. Absolutely so, amazing. Eat, drink, and be merry. And the three lessons I share with on the TEDx and then the rest of the stories in the book is you have to have a plan. Your life is like a GPS. You have to have a plan, but be very flexible on how you get to that goal. The second one is eat dessert first, because when you're at the end of your life, the most important things to you aren't your ROI. It's who you connected to, the people you enriched, the lives you changed, and the mark you left in the world. And then the third one, of course, is, I love the quote, the differences between a rut and a grave are the dimensions. When you find yourself in a rut, you need to step out of it because what you're doing is building your own grave. So those are the three lessons I, I shared in the TEDx and in the book. Very powerful. Now tell us more about your book, It's Not Luck Overcoming You. Oh, it's not luck. Now, remember, I told you I was stuck in my head for 18 months. Now, I couldn't communicate outward and I couldn't write. My, I have a traumatic brain injury. That's why I was out for 18 months. I'm missing the frontal lobe of my frontal lobe over my left ear, the back of my head, and my two hemispheres had disconnected. So although I could think clearly, my mouth could not communicate. My hand could not write what I was thinking. But in my head, I was logging everything that was happening. So remember I said I was having arguments with my inner critic? I wrote it down when I started writing, when I was able to write. I wrote down the arguments to my inner critic telling me you're not good enough. And so what this book is, it's not luck overcoming you. I'll show that one. Oh, let me open here. Yes. Where to go? There it is. It's not luck overcoming you. It's a guidebook. It's really not a storybook. It's a it's a short story, and then it asks the reader for four questions. And really what it is, is I wrote it for my children. I thought I was dying when I had breast, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. So I thought I was dying, and I wrote a book to be there for my children when they needed me when I wasn't going to be there. So it's, Mom, I'm not good enough. Okay, this is why you're good enough. Here's a story, and I want you to think about a story. And so I'm guiding people through their own insecurities, through my stories, and then ask you to put them in your words and then answer the answer the questions. So workbook, really. So if you want to get over your inner critics and stop apologizing for what you're not and step into who you truly are and what you can be and what you your soul already knows you are, this is the book. Very powerful. Step into who you truly are. I love it. Now tell us more about your mental shift show. Mental shift was my podcast. And so you can find that on my YouTube channel, which is Michelle Moross, you know, YouTube Michelle Moross. It got picked up by TNC, the new channel out of the Philippines, as a new TV show that starts on January 6th, Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. Uh, 7 a.m. Mountain Time. I love it. Yeah. Now, tell us more about the major challenge you had to overcome in your life, such as sexual assault. Now, the sexual assault one, that took me years to overcome years. And honestly, I had blocked it out of my memory so well that the only thing I ever knew was really my problem was I would see a car and I would jump. I would hear an engine and I would jump. I would hear an accident and I would jump. There were certain small things, but I didn't remember why. Now, I knew why, 
but I wouldn't allow myself to know why. I had blocked it so well. So what I'll be discussing in on your panel, actually, you're having your panel. is That's tomorrow. Yeah, my, my the sexual assault happened my senior year of college. So I was an industrial engineering student in, at the University of Nebraska. And I was working at a restaurant. And there was this new kid that started working there. And that night, one night, I was having a party with just the staff, there's just like six of us. And we were having, we were like playing some board game or whatever. And someone invited him. And when everybody else left, he came back. He came back. And what happened from that point on, I was, I always blame myself for opening the door. I opened the door to let him back in. He needed to get his coat and I couldn't reach it. And I opened the door. And from that moment on, he had me. He kept me as a captive rape victim for nine months straight. So my last year of college is a blur. I don't remember it. I don't remember anything about college. I just remember being tortured by this boy. And what happened is he ingrained me so deep into his world that I was terrified. So when I called for help that very first night and raped me, the policeman said, we don't have time for your or he said, he said, he hung up on me. And I'm on the floor bleeding and crying. So I called back again. And this is before cell phones, okay? I'm 52. So I had to crawl back up to the wall to get to my phone, called again, same policeman answered. We don't have time for your crap. We're busy, click. So here I am in an apartment building where people were always calling the police because my TV was too loud, or if my dog barked, or you know, if my friends were laughing up the hallway. I'm screaming, help me, help me. I'm being raped, help me. Not one person called the cops, not one. But they'd call the cops for everything else. And I remember thinking that that morning after he left me and the cops were hanging up on me, I gotta do this alone. I'm alone. I, I got up, I cleaned up, got dressed, went to my first job. You have to remember, I'm a, I'm a senior in college. I'm working four jobs to pay my way through. And I had my own apartment because my father had kicked me out at 16. So here I am in this world all by myself. And I went to work and I told my boss, I'm, I barely dragged myself in. And I come in and she sees me and I said, help me, help me. And she says, I told them not to hire you stupid teenagers. What were you doing, partying all night? No, I hadn't. And so everything like that just kept happening to me. And I realized that I was alone and I couldn't trust anybody. No one believed me. And then when I did tell someone, they said, you should be, you're lucky anybody would love you enough to rape you. And it, it just kind of jostled my mind. And so I kind of locked down. I went to work that night at the restaurant and that boy was there and everyone was clapping. And I'm like, what's going on? And they said, oh, we know you're, 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 you're dating him now. He said that you guys are dating. And I'm like, what? And he put his arm around me and he whispered in my ear so sweetly, you tell anybody and I'll slaughter every one of them while you watch. So I never said a thing. I protected everyone else so that he wouldn't hurt them. But I'll go deeper into that story tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the very beginning of it.
Yes, ma'am. For those listening, make sure to get your uh, seat reserved today. Reserve your seat on Eventbrite. That's the global virtual panel of sexual assault survivors. And Michelle will go deeper into her story there. Now, Michelle, tell us more about the major challenge you had to overcome in your life, such as a traumatic brain injury. Well, that challenge, well, for me, it's more of a challenge for my family because time, I have no sense of time. I'm basically Dory from Finding Nemo. And I seem very cognizant, but I do a lot of things to keep myself in place. And overcoming a brain injury, when it first happened, all I remember is rage, just absolute rage. And what we found out with my counseling and all the brain therapy I had was because of that injury, there are walls in your brain where memories are blocked off that hurt you, memories where your brain moves things around so that you can function. When I had the brain injury, what happened is it loosened that wall of my rape. And so all those things that I had hidden from myself and stopped myself from thinking of, I remembered very vividly. And my brain started shutting down even more. So I started, I had very strong PTSD reactions. So road rage, just anger up and down or incredibly saddened and incredibly angry. I was almost acting like an alcoholic is really what happened. I, I didn't know who I was or what I was and why I was doing anything. And my family took care of me and loved me through all the craziness that I was doing. And inside of my head, I would do, this is not me. This isn't me, but I couldn't stop it. And then the other thought was, is this the real me? And the other me, the, the, the fake me has been, you know, been the forefront and it's like, no, this is something else. And so I went through a lot of therapy. I went to a thing called Harmonized Brain Centers. And then they treated me for the year at the um, Wounded Warrior Center at Fort Carson. I mean, I did a lot. And then I found a mentor in a man called Paul Sheely, Sheely Learning, who did who introduced me into meditation and to calm my mind down and to help me see my memories of all these traumatic events that were happening from my past that were coming into real life for me. <laughs> He helped me realize which one was which and be able to move them and say, you know what? This was not my fault. This is how I handled it. I lived through this. There's something from that I can gain that I can grow from and help other people. So it, it helped me move past that brain injury. And now you asked about the brain injury. The brain injury will lead into the breast cancer. Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to skip ahead because I know you're going to ask that next question. But there's talk to us. My breast cancer, we would not have known I had it. The reason why we knew I had it was because my brain was so hypersensitive from the brain injury that I was I could feel everything. I mean, I honestly could. I swear I could feel blood rushing through my veins. I was that highly sensitive. And I remember looking in the mirror one day. And I'm doing something is wrong. I'm having I'm having nightmares of dying. And so I'm staying in the mirror, looking at myself, doing what next? God, what next? Something else is happening. And again, I heard. You have cancer, get it out. But there was this overwhelming feeling of peace that came around me. And I went, OK. And even when I say this to my husband, he says, what do you mean? Okay. Well, when I had that argument with God right after my brain injury and I was sitting there wanting to kill myself and I heard you're not dead yet. And I saw in that flash when I heard you're not dead yet, all the times that someone was with me, taking care of me, 
I said, give me back my brain, take my body, do anything, but give me back my brain and I will walk through any door. I put a caveat. And so when I found out I had breast cancer, I went, hmm, okay. I knew, I knew if I died from this, it's okay. Cause I told God I'd walk through any door, take my body. And so I was calm with it. But what I learned from this breast cancer journey was I had said, I don't need my body. When you have, find out you have breast cancer and they cut both your breasts off within 60 days, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot because you start wondering about your womanhood, who you are. Are you really a woman still? I mean, all these terrible things were going through my mind again. And what I realized was, I got it. I need my body too. My shell is not just a shell. It's what my my essence needs in order to travel and do the message, I'm, the, the mission I'm supposed to do. So I have to take care of my body. Now, the reason I say that is, if you look at my TEDx, you go to my website, michellemoross.com, you're going to see my TEDx. I am 380 pounds in that picture, in that video. When I realized that I needed my body to carry my brain so I could do the mission of whatever I'm supposed to be doing, I had to take care of my body. I had to become healthier. And so it all comes together. Here I am. Yes, I'm still technically a breast cancer patient, but I see myself as a thriver because it woke me up to realize that I was wasting my life petty, worried about what other people thought about my about me, worried about what I didn't do in my past that I should have done. If I, I did that, I would have been here instead. All that, all that doesn't matter. It's who are you today? What are you going to do tomorrow? Are you a better person than you were yesterday? And so when I started living unapologetically, as me, not comparing to anyone else, I found me. And I'm finally not looking in the mirror doing, look at that, look at that. Ah, look at how fat you are. I stopped beating myself up. And that's what I do as a coach. I help other people realize you are beautiful. You are perfect in God's eyes. And if you don't love yourself, then it's okay. Someone else loves you. Believe in that love that they have for you so that you can find the love of you because that's where the magic lies. It's all for a reason. You just got to find the, the glimpse of gold and the diamonds inside of the rough because life is not meant to be easy, but it is meant to be lived with purpose. Amen. Very powerful. Now tell us more about how important it is to maintain a positive attitude. It's everything. <laughs> you have to think, I mean, I've gone through some serious trials and I am not even talking about the other things that have happened. I'm just talking these three, three main ones. What I think has saved me throughout all of them and even the doctors through all the multiple surgeries I've had, because I've had eight surgeries in the past three years, eight major surgeries because my cancer started affecting things in me. So they've cut out a lot of body parts out of me to keep me alive. And, you know, the things that are being, you know, destroyed by cancer, eaten away or stopped functioning. So there's lots of things that went away in me. The doctor said, with all the things that have happened to me, if I didn't have a positive attitude, one, I wouldn't have come out of that operating room. Two, I wouldn't have healed as fast as I did. And three, I wouldn't I would have gained weight rather than dropped the weight because I would have been feeding my anxiety. And so positive attitude 
shifts everything you do and how you look at life. If you believe that there is nothing else beyond you and that you are the shell, you are the essence, and that is all that it is, and if bad things happen in the world, it is all up to you, you're going to be a very miserable human. My positive attitude comes from the fact that I know that there's something more beyond me. There is a belief in something else beyond me so that when I feel trouble, when I feel pain, when I see people in pain, I do, you know what? This is not for me to understand, but I can do the best I can as I am who I am right now. That positive attitude, that outlook gives a, a hope and a, a faith that there is something else beyond the chaos that we see in front of us. And that gives me hope for tomorrow. That gives me you know, that positive attitude that that little tiny act I'm going to do, it may be one little grind of sand, but by the time it gets the next person, it's it's a rock. By the time it gets the next person, it's a boulder. By the time you see me, it's a mountain. It doesn't matter how much I can do, but if I can do one small thing, it'll domino effect. And that's good enough for me. And if we can get people like you and me and get a whole panel of us together and we're doing it all across the world, we are like a snowstorm, snowflakes that are just pushing through to give out the world hope that there is good in the world, that there are people in the world, that there is a higher being that is actually there allowing us to be us. It's beautiful. It's scary, but it's beautiful. Amen. Very uplifting. Now tell us more about your every day is a gift principle. Well, I've died eight times in three years. <laughs> so every day that I wake up, I do, yay! <laughs> so I celebrate every morning. I, I'm really, I wake up with a big smile on my face and people laugh at me. I you know I've done like retreats at my cabin, writer's retreats and things like that. And they do, Oh, I can't wait to see you in the morning because maybe you won't be all happy. Oh, no, I'm even happier in the morning. <laughs> Every day is a gift. I have had so many days in my life where I didn't know if I was going to get a chance to wake up tomorrow. So that, you know, during the rape, nine months, okay, every day I prayed to God to stop, stop him, stop him, stop him. Never happened. And it wasn't until I said, what can I do? You're smarter than him. And I remember thanking God. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for letting me know I'm smarter. Now I'm going to make a plan. Same with the with the brain injury. I was so impressed that I woke up every morning. And I remember, doing, now what am I going to do? I'm still a vegetable. I, I still can't do anything. What am I supposed to do? Right in my head. There was a reason. I needed to be shut down so I could do more. I was always running around so much, never really focusing on what I wanted in life, what I was going to do. But when I got shut down, it was basically like a, a big two by four doing shut up and sit down and listen, listen. And so I did. And it catapulted my life. Then with the breast cancer, you know, you've got three months to live. Is it three months yet? Is it three months yet? So every morning I would wake up doing, Oh, I'm still here. Oh, I'm still here. Wait, three months passed. Okay. Well, forget about the days. Let's just be happy every, every day. And so that's the other thing I help with my clients is learning to see the joy in the small moments of your day and being able to embrace that and pull on that love whenever you need it because we all have ups and downs but we need to be able to see the gift in the simpleness of opening your eyes or feeling the breeze or hearing the birds whatever it is that your sense does be glad that you have it amen 
Very powerful. Now tell us more about some of the projects that you're currently working on. Excuse me? Tell us more about the projects that you're currently working on. Which project? <laughs> <laughs> the one that sticks out the most in your mind. I have like four going on. So I have a, a book compilation that's coming out. We have 12 female writers that are talking about, we're basically writing a book about how to dance in the storm. We all have our different stories and they're compiled together. That's coming out early 2021, um, like the second quarter of 2021. The other thing is I'm a voice actress. So I'm in a couple of movies, sci-fi movies, and I'm the computer voice that says, you know, access denied, access granted, you know, those kind of things. And I'm also now a, uh, I do voiceovers for books, book narration for children's books. And so I'm doing, I think it's, um, If I Were Your Angel is the last one I did. And then I did my Eat, Drink, and Be Merry book. So there's a lot happening with me right now. And then of course, the big, big one is the TV show that comes out January 6th on TNC Philippines. I'm excited about that. I am excited as well. I can't wait to check it out. Now, Michelle, was there a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment? There's a lot of those. My biggest aha was when I realized, I think I was at a boot camp and um, I was at a big camp and we, we were talking and we're on stage and we're doing all this stuff. And I realized someone asked me, go up on stage and tell a story. And I said, I don't even know what I want to talk about. It's just go up and talk. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was the Breakthrough Business Bootcamp here in Denver. And I think better through song. And so I'm walking up towards a stage and I started singing. Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? And I got on that stage and I started telling a story that I had never told before. And in that story that I told about stepping into your light, I had the huge, most huge aha moment of my life. I have always wanted to stand in the middle of a stage and sing Broadway songs. And I was always told you can't sing. You're, you're a choir singer, you're not a single singer. Uh, you're, you're not pretty enough, you're, you know, you're short, you're fat, you're ugly. You know, your sister's beautiful, you're not talented. And so I would want to be there, I wanted to sing but I never allowed myself to sing. So my big aha moment was, I may not be singing on stage, but I'm singing a song of hope and love and, and, and faith. I'm singing a different song. And I realized on that stage, while I was telling that story, was that I was meant to step into the light and share the pain and the stories and the hope through the pain and that I really was in the light. I just didn't realize I was. Amen, very inspiring. Now tell us more about what gives you happiness in your life, Michelle. <laughs> I told you, waking up. <laughs> <laughs> but what really brings me a lot of joy is I'm a stage speaker. I love the stage. If I, if I had my dream come true, I would be the blazing Oprah. I mean, I talk about that all the time, but I, I want, what brings me joy is seeing the light in other people. I love to see that transition light when people do, ah, I am worthy, or ah, I am loved. Or, ah, I mean, that, that look, it, it's a look that comes into their faces. I love 
that look. And normally you see that look in people who are singing from their heart. And then when, you know, when you're seeing someone sing from their heart and they just kind of belt out, it's that light. I love that light. That brings me joy. And I see it in little things. I see it in little children, you know, playing in the park. I see it in, you know, kids you know, playing with bubbles. I see it in my friends when they do, oh, you called. Thank you so much. And I've been waiting to talk to you. Just the little things like that. I see joy in, and that's what brings me joy, to see the love light in other people's eyes. Amen. I love it. Now, Michelle, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Stop apologizing for what you're not. Embrace who you are. And if you don't know who you are, get quiet. Find you. Find a coach. Find a mentor. But get someone who can see you as you are because we are our worst critics. I mean, I spent the first 47 years of my life thinking I was short, fat, and ugly and not worthy of anything good. And whenever something good came into my life, I would purposely sabotage it because I was right. I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. I'm not worthy of this. So I would push it away. Don't do that. Let someone else see you from the outside. And when they say you're beautiful, say thank you. You want to get to the point when someone says good things about you, you say thank you, not yeah, right. Because they're seeing you as you can't see you. And that's where the magic is about life. When people tell you you're wonderful, believe them. And then go seek inside of yourself why you don't believe it. If you don't pray, well, pray. If you don't pray, then meditate. Whatever you need to do to get quiet and listen to the real you, you got to do that because life opens up when you believe in you. Amen. Michelle, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Now, where can the audience find you? My name, www.michellemaross.com. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Oh, there it is. M-R-A-S.com. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Michelle at michellemaras.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-R-A-S.com. And Michelle, again, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Thank you so much. And I'll see you tomorrow on the panel. Yes, ma'am. See you then. Have a blessed day.